You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. A woman is in hospital with life-threatening injuries, the victim of an early morning hit-and-run crash. Vancouver police are hoping you can help find the suspect driver. Our Catherine Urquhart joins us now from East 41st Avenue and Commercial Street, where police found some solid clues, Catherine. That's right, Chris. If you have dash cam or surveillance video, you may be able to help investigators solve this hit and run, a crime that has left a woman in hospital fighting for her life. Investigators scour the pavement for every possible clue following a hit and run early Friday morning. Vancouver police anxious to solve the crime, which has left a woman in her 50s in life-threatening condition. But I can tell you that this woman was struck and she traveled through the air for a considerable distance. I don't want to get into the specifics, but I would say greater than a quarter of a block. It happened at about 1.30 a.m. as a husband and wife were crossing the street. The man and woman were crossing East 41st here at Commercial Street. They were in this marked crosswalk and they were using the pedestrian light. Vancouver police say they saw a car speeding towards them and tried to get out of the way. The man escaped unharmed, but she was struck and the driver kept going. The suspect vehicle is described as a 2000 to 2006 BMW X5. It would now have considerable damage. This vehicle is going to have obvious body damage. It's missing this piece. And there's no doubt in my mind that the driver is aware that they've struck somebody. They failed to stop at the scene of a collision. They did not call for help for anyone. And they kept going. They were last seen driving eastbound towards Victoria Drive. Investigators are urging anyone with surveillance video to come forward, and they're calling on the driver to turn himself in to police. Now, police say it's only a matter of time before they track down that suspect driver, which is why they're urging that person to turn themselves in to police. Now, as for the woman who was struck, police say that she remains in hospital. But at this point, they are unable to provide any update on her condition. Chris, back Still to hoping you. the very best for her. Thanks very much, Catherine. Now, the mother of a slain seven-year-old Langley girl is now facing first-degree murder charges in her death. Carrie Ann Lewis was originally charged with second-degree murder last August in connection with the slaying of her daughter, seven-year-old Aaliyah Rosa. The little girl was found dead inside a Langley condo in July of last year. Court documents revealed the girl's mother was once the subject of a restraining order and required supervision for visits with Aaliyah. Homicide investigators have said her murder was an isolated incident. A significant development today in connection to a shocking crime and high-profile B.C. trial. A former RCMP officer was accused of misconduct involving a witness in the case. And this morning, Derek Brassington pled guilty to two charges. Jordan Armstrong has the latest. 
In a loud and confident voice, XRCMP Sergeant Derek Brassington pleaded guilty to breach of trust and obstructing justice by compromising the safety and integrity of a witness during the Surrey 6 investigation. Brassington was an investigator assigned to the deadliest gangland shooting in B.C. history. Six people, including two innocent bystanders, gunned down inside Surrey's Balmoral Tower in October 2007. Brassington was one of four Mounties charged in June of 2011. In court Friday, Brassington appeared emotional, wiping his eyes and staring towards the floor. There remains a sweeping publication ban on this case. We cannot report the details heard in court or even the range of sentence suggested by Crown and defense. We can tell you the judge has agreed to impose a sentence of two years less a day to be served in the community. Brassington has house arrest from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. except to pick up his kids. He has to pay $10,000 in restitution to the Receiver General of Canada, and he has to do 100 hours of community service. We do know from past reporting that Brassington was a Mountie for 13 years. In May of 2013, he quit the force after being charged in an unrelated shoplifting case. For that, he apologized and received a conditional discharge. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. A dramatic scene in Surrey last night after a lit candle toppled over in a bedroom, sparking a fire in a duplex. 911 is coming. Come out, sir. Viewer video shows bystanders running to help the residents escape the burning home in the 12900 block of 108th Avenue. The fire broke out about 6.30 last night. Fortunately, all five people inside and their three dogs made it out safely. Nearly 20 firefighters helped to quickly contain that fire. There is significant damage to the house. Firefighters say that there were no working smoke detectors in the home at the time. And a 37-year-old Merritt man has been arrested and charged with three counts of arson and one count of break and enter. In relation to suspicious fires that were set in four churches in the Merritt area earlier this month, one of those fires destroyed the 143-year-old Murray United Church, the oldest building in the Nicola Valley. The three other buildings were not as seriously damaged August David Caprian appeared in court today. Well, it took months to repair the 152nd Street overpass in South Surrey after a large truck smashed into it more than a year ago. But the commuter frustration over the detours might pale in comparison to the anger from businesses and ratepayers now that they're on the hook for the steep repair bill. John Waugh reports. It was bad judgment behind the wheel that caused a massive three-month cleanup. Snarled traffic along a major artery in South Surrey and hung countless businesses out to dry, including Raza Maharelli, who only opened his dry cleaning service three days before. Three days into it, that accident happened on the bridge, and uh, that really cost us the business. The total damage from this truck crashing into the 152nd Street overpass in December 2017 cost $1.25 million. The Ministry of Transportation sending ICBC the tab. That's surprising, yeah, because yeah, the person who damaged it, if they did make mistakes, should probably pay for it. I think that's terribly unfair. The driver was handed a $368 ticket and six points on their license. The carrier fined only $115 for the overheight load but did surrender its operating certificate. Give you a slap on the wrist and then the, the regular guy pays more every time. ICBC was unable to provide a response by deadline. But business operators who already saw their sales put on ice 
aren't happy about being dinged twice. I don't think that's right, and I think we have a, a right to know why that happened. We are picking the bill for it through, ICBC is picking the bill through us. Maharelli says for the affected businesses, recouping their losses is a hill too steep to climb. It's a long-term process, cost of the uh, legal fees, uh, we have to incur all that. And the frustration of paying for someone's inability to make it under a simple overpass is going to take even longer to overcome. John Hua, Global News. A routine traffic stop on Vancouver's downtown east side ended in a serious crash that sent three people to hospital. Officers tried to pull over the driver of a Honda Civic using lights and sirens near East Hastings and Jackson Avenue about 6.30 last night. Vancouver police say the driver initially began to pull over but then unexpectedly sped away. Seconds later, the driver allegedly ran a red light at Cordova and collided with a gray Audi. The Civic hit a utility pole and landed on its side. VPD say the driver was a 25-year-old Surrey woman. No word yet on any charges. Well, stop me if you've heard this one before. It could be a very blustery night for parts of Vancouver Island. Seems like we've been there before with strong winds in the forecast this weekend. We'll check in now with meteorologist Christy Gordon. And who gets the worst of it here, Christy? Well, thankfully, the worst of the winds will be well north of the lower mainland, Chris. But yes, parts of the south coast will certainly get hit. So the low pressure center will move in this evening and continue to be strong overnight tonight and into tomorrow morning. Now, the target of that low pressure center is along the north and central coast. So that's where we'll see the strongest winds. But we will see strong winds just south of there as well. So gusts in the 110, potentially higher, uh, potentially hurricane force strength winds in these areas here, but the northern part of the Sunshine Coast, northern parts of the east coast of Vancouver Island could see gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour. Again, strongest being through the overnight period. Now, for the lower mainland, we're just below warning criteria, but we still could see gusts up to 60 kilometers an hour, and I'll show you when you can expect those to be strongest when I come back. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Check in a little bit later. Well, we're about two and a half weeks left until voters in Nanaimo go to the polls to elect a new MLA. In a by-election, everyone is watching. A new poll, though, suggests it's virtually a dead heat between two front-running parties. We'll check in with Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry, who raced back across the strait <laughs> to get into the chair he's in now. Uh, yeah. This is a fascinating uh, uh, look at, at how this is shaping up, Keith. Yeah, and I, I invite everybody, always take polls with a grain of salt, the proverbial grain of salt. And when pollsters have had some problems calling uh, elections accurately recently, but there have been some successes. So take a look at the numbers coming out of a small poll, 350 sample here. So the margin of error is significant, more than 5%, but essentially shows this is a two-party race. NDP at 42, BC Liberals at 38, far behind are the BC Greens at 13, and the Conservatives, it's rather impressive for them, at 6%. The Greens took 20% here in the last election. They're clearly not tracking at that. That level now. So this seems to be between the front-running NDP and the BC Liberals. Historically, a very strong NDP seat. I'd be surprised if they lose this. But as you and I have discussed before, Chris, by-elections are a completely different political beast than general elections are. Turnout is usually very low. And we'll be interested to see what no these numbers have on the, the uh, motivation and impact on the voter base for both the NDP and the Liberals. Does this cause the NDP to rest on the laurels, thinking now we've got the lead? Or does this fire up the Liberals to think we're close enough to maybe take this? We've really got to step up the pressure. So it's an interesting poll to show essentially it's a two-party race at this point with two and a half weeks to go. All right. Thanks very much for that snapshot, okay. Keith. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. 
A lower mainland woman is warning pet owners tonight after her five-month-old puppy became ill and immobile hours after a morning walk. As Jennifer Palma explains, the owner has a message for pot users in the new age of legalization. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Hi, 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 hi. Going for walks and playtime with her dogs is a daily must for Kim Morosevich. But on Wednesday, she got a scare when her five-month-old puppy, River, wasn't able to stand before she left for work. It's quite shocking to see your dog who's normally like this, kind of like, and like he couldn't, um, he first stood up and fell down. And then when I kind of got him standing up, he kind of, like he put his legs out in a way like to brace himself and then he couldn't move again. Cause like, I think he knew, like if I move, I'm gonna fall down again. Morosevich noticed Good. River had dilated pupils Good. and wasn't responding to her like he normally would. Her other two dogs seemed fine. She called her vet. I carried him into the clinic. Um, I, it was a little more extreme then. He was even more kind of um, wobbly and rocking in place. And uh, I learned that uh, dogs with THC toxicity often exhibit um, a characteristic startle response. The vet gave River an Australian shepherd a urine test. It came back positive for THC, meaning he had ingested marijuana while they were out for their walk on the dikes in Pitt Meadows. Dr. Adrian Walton didn't treat River, but says pot is like catnip for dogs. The dogs absolutely love the smell of pot. And anything that they like to smell, they also like to eat. So pot intoxicity is really common with dogs and cats. So we just urge everybody to make sure that if you have weed, just make sure it's secured. From Morosevich, she's happy her dog is fine, but asks people to be careful. Don't, you know, leave your roach, don't leave your cigarette butts. Anything that can be ingested by um, a domestic animal can also be ingested by wildlife, and they don't have someone to notice that they're not well and take them to the vet. Good job. Jennifer Palma, Global News. In your house. RCMP on Vancouver Island are looking for the suspects in a heartless theft. Staff at the Parksville Qualicum Beach SPCA walked into a disaster this morning after an overnight break-in. Someone smashed in the side door and trashed the inside, leaving glass everywhere. Some laptops were stolen. Fortunately, none of the animals was hurt. The thieves also made off with the hydrometer, temporarily leaving the facility with no power or heat. Water is being brought in for the animals now. Pretty distressing to find out that someone would come into a not-for-profit organization where there's animals um, that you know already are at a stress level that's not exactly comfortable, um, and then increase that stress level. So that's really upsetting as well to think someone would be you know that unkind. December's destructive windstorm was not the only record to smash BC Hydro last year. Our Consumer Matters reporter Andrew is here with more on the scam attempts that peaked in 2018 and and how people at home could avoid being a, a victim. That's right, Chris. Thousands have been impacted over the years. Thank you. BC Hydro is warning customers after a record number of attempts to steal your money last year. And while the numbers are startling, they likely underrepresent the scale of the problem since many scams go underreported. Fraudsters posing as BC Hydro employees were 50% more successful in 2018 than 2017, stealing nearly $45,000 from British Columbians. Scammers are calling emailing and texting customers and threatening to cut off power if they don't pay up. Vancouver, Surrey, Burnaby, Richmond, Nanaimo and Vernon have been hardest hit by the criminals who request prepaid cash credit cards or Bitcoin. Since 2014, BC Hydro has received nearly 6,000 reports of scams with more than 2,000 recorded last year. 
is these small businesses don't have an option. They're worried about losing the business and unfortunately they fall victim to the scam. Take that time to do the necessary precautions and save yourself the trouble of getting your information sent out into the open for anyone's access. NBC Hydro is reminding customers it does not collect credit card or bank account information by phone, email or text and does not accept prepaid cash or credit card or Bitcoin payments. And if an account is in arrears, they will send several notices by mail. Customers can also check their account status online at bchydro.com. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Excellent. Thank you very much, Ann. The Transportation Safety Board is reminding airline passengers about checked baggage dangers after an investigation revealed a fire on board a Vancouver-bound WestJet plane was sparked by lithium-ion batteries from an e-cigarette. It all started last June here at the Calgary airport with a passenger leaving something that shouldn't have been in a backpack that went down into the cargo hold. It was two spare lithium-ion batteries for an e-cigarette catching fire in the backpack. The WestJet flight had taken off from Calgary bound for Vancouver. As the 737 reaches 9,000 feet, the aircraft's detection systems alert the crew to the fire in the cargo hold. They immediately turn the plane around and come back to Calgary. Airport fire trucks waiting for them on the runway. As soon as they start looking into it, Transportation Safety Board investigators notice some minor heat damage to the cargo area's fire-resistant liner. Now, their report on the incident highlighting the dangers of putting those e-cigarette lithium-ion batteries in checked baggage. You have to be with the passenger in the cabin area, and the purpose for that is to allow the cabin crew, if these batteries decide to have a thermal runaway or catch on fire, that they can deal with it immediately. The investigator's report on this incident says the passenger was a frequent business flyer who knew about airline policies that require those batteries to go only in the cabin but the passenger forgot about the two spare batteries in the backpack and checked them in for the flight. Now, along with e-cigarettes, those lithium-ion batteries also go in electronic devices. So if you're not sure if yours are lithium-ion, you should ask airline staff to check it out before your flight. Gil Tucker, Global News. A Kelowna RCMP officer is being recognized for busting up a bike theft ring that saw the arrest of a prolific offender last year. As Kelly Hayes reports, the suspect is accused of running a steal-on-demand scheme in a city where bike theft is climbing. Locked and secured, but bike thefts in Kelowna and the central Okanagan continue to be a problem and a priority for RCMP, who say there are thieves working in the Kelowna area whose specialty is stealing bikes. Yeah, there are definitely individuals out there that uh, target bikes specifically. Stats show that bike thefts are on the increase. In 2017, more than 470 bikes were stolen in the central Okanagan. That number climbed to a staggering 704 last year. RCMP believe they've put a dent in the rising number of bike thefts in Kelowna with the arrest of a Kelowna man who was targeting the Pandosi Street area in Kelowna's lower mission where he would find log bikes similar to this one and take a picture. Uh, essentially, they were finding bicycles that they had not yet stolen, posting them for sale online. And then when they found an interesting buyer, they would then go back, steal the bicycle, and then sell it. And if the bike wasn't there, he would wait because he knew it would return. 
sometimes the bike would not be available when you would go back. The person would have maybe gone home or the bike wasn't there as a regular. But the people that were biking to work and commuting, locking their bikes up, he knew those bikes would be there daily. And he was using those as opportunistic times to steal the bikes and then sell them online. The suspect has been identified as this man, Kyle Andrew Permies, a prolific offender who is currently wanted on an outstanding warrant for break and enter and theft under $5,000. When RCMP busted him, they say they found a bunch of stolen goods in his possession, including stolen wallets and bikes. For cracking the case, Corporal Hall was issued an award by Crime Stoppers for Police Officer of the Year at a luncheon this week in Kelowna. Kelly Hayes, Global News, Kelowna. How about this? A once-in-a-lifetime encounter with one of the biggest great whites on record, captivating shark lovers around the world. Marine biologist Ocean Ramsey swimming with the six-meter shark, affectionately known as Deep Blue on Tuesday. The shark was first spotted feeding on a dead whale off Oahu. Ramsey says she documented her experience to change the public perception of sharks and push for legislation that would protect them in Hawaii. The giant shark's new feeding ground is attracting amateurs who want to get up close and personal, something Ramsey is warning against. Well, the U.S. Democrats are pouncing on a bombshell report from BuzzFeed News that claims President Donald Trump ordered his former lawyer to lie to Congress about negotiations to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. To Democrats, it's a bombshell claim that comes with a caveat, if it's true. If the president directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress, then that's a clear case of participating in perjury and obstruction of justice, and he should resign. That's after an explosive new report which says President Trump personally instructed his longtime lawyer to lie to Congress to hide his involvement in a real estate deal for a proposed Moscow Trump Tower. NBC News has not verified the report, and neither has any other news outlet. BuzzFeed cites two federal law enforcement officials involved in an investigation of the matter. After President Trump tweeted a vague reference to Cohen's father-in-law, one of Cohen's advisors says he now fears for his family and may not testify as planned in front of Congress next month. Family is out of bounds. There's only one person in the country, one president in our history, that would threaten family as a tactic to make fear of somebody he calls a rat for telling the truth. And that's President Trump. Directing someone to lie to federal officials has been the basis for impeachment. Richard Nixon in 1974, Bill Clinton in 1998. Did the president direct Michael Cohen to lie to Congress? Look, that's absolutely ridiculous. I think that the uh, president's outside counsel uh, addressed this best and said in a statement earlier today that's categorically false. The president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, says the claims are more made-up lies born of Michael Cohen's malice and desperation in an effort to reduce his sentence. Cohen has pleaded guilty to lying and is headed to prison for it, but this may be more than a he said, he said. BuzzFeed reports the special counsel's office has internal company emails, text messages, and other documents to back this claim up. Uh, Yes, but a spokesperson for Robert Mueller late today is disputing the BuzzFeed News report, claiming its description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and the characterization of documents and testimony obtained by the office regarding Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. So there's definitely more to this story. All right, in Health Matters tonight, construction is officially underway on a new emergency department at Port Moody's Eagle Ridge Hospital. 
The health minister on hand for the groundbreaking, which will see patient treatment spaces in the ER increase from 19 to 39. The work, which is expected to be finished by late 2020, will include four new isolation rooms and two new trauma resuscitation bays. The province is investing $22.6 million, while the Eagle Ridge Hospital Foundation is contributing $5 million. ER visits have more than doubled to 50,000 a year since the hospital was first built. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Mac the Moose's record in Moose Jaw has stood tall for more than three decades. But find out which country has managed to knock their title of tallest moose statue off the pedestal. And what the city is trying to do about it right after Christy and the forecast. We'll check in with her. Right now, we know it's going to be blustery in some areas. What else is coming? Well, a lot, actually, for parts of the province. Uh, Hoarfrost, though, this morning, and a lot of fog in through the interior regions. Yes, all the frost that we had along the coast now targeting these inland regions. But it is beautiful, especially in the sunshine. Thanks to Rose for that shot and another one from Nicole. So great frosty morning. And you've got snowfall on the way that's going to cover that frost. So uh, inland regions, not a ton. We're talking about 5 to 10 um, centimeters of snow. But the main areas will be along the mountains. So the Columbia and the Kootenai region and then the bulk of it along the coast mountains from Terrace right down into Whistler getting a ton of snow in the next 24 hours. That's because that low pressure center moving into the coast, dumping the majority of that moisture along the coast as rain. But then higher elevations will see the snowfall. Here's again the winds that we're expecting. So strong gusts up to 110 kilometers an hour north Vancouver Island and then further north. Sunshine Coast and east coast of Vancouver Island. That's right down to Nanus Bay. So just north of Nanaimo, gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour, whereas the lower mainland, we're talking about gusts up to 60 kilometers an hour. And that will be mainly overnight through the early morning hours. I think by 7 o'clock, you can expect those winds to ease off. And Saturday, not looking too bad. Really, the strongest part of this storm will happen overnight while we're asleep. Total lunar eclipse going to happen on Sunday between 8.41 and 9.43 p.m. And it will be partly cloudy. So could you could see it. All you want to do is look east and it's an interesting moon because it's a super blood wolf full moon super because it's a percentage bigger blood because it will look uh have this orangey red hue because of the lunar eclipse and then the wolf moon because of the time of year and it's a full moon but kind of cool isn't it Across the north, you'll see the snowfall. Yes, terrace through Smithers. Rainfall across the coast with that uh, rain. Inland regions, the snow will be at higher elevations. We're expecting significant amounts for the Coquihalla, whereas the south coast, the bulk of the rainfall will be overnight, and it will ease off to showers, but we'll also see those strong winds. But the latter half of your weekend, not looking too bad. Some sunshine for us on Sunday and into our Monday also. And I'll leave you, Chris, with one last shot from the interior Okanagan Valley Rose sent us a great close-up shot of the surface whore. That is really cool. The fern-like crystals. Yeah. You've had some great photos this week. Very Mm -hmm. cool. All right. Thank you, Christy. The mayor of Moose Jaw is calling it an international crisis. Norway has just stolen the title of the world's tallest moose statue. What are the people of Moose Jaw willing to do to overcome this situation? Mac the Moose was the tallest moose in the whole world, and the people of Norway have taken that from us. Well, I'm not going to stand. That video posted on the city's Facebook page. For decades, Mac the Moose held the record at nearly 10 meters tall, and now Tourism Moose Jaw 
is looking for suggestions to win back the title. Some ideas include giving him a hat or maybe bigger antlers. So happy and proud of our silver moose, not the brown traditional type. It has a different purpose. It's uh, bright and shiny and bling. Um, so I, we, we really love that. Um. That is quite the shiny moose. News outlets in Norway are also having fun with the competition, saying there is no chance for Moose Jaw to take back the world record. Their moose is roughly 30 centimeters taller than Mac. All right, more cowbell. I got a fever. That's right. <laughs> That's almost what it sounded like. <laughs> you, could do, you could do a little Don't Fear the Reaper with that. Sure. Um, there is no Elias Pettersson tonight against Buffalo, but you will see Thatcher Demko play goal. Jacob Markstrom gets to rest, so the goalie of the future gets a chance to play in the now. This will be his second NHL game. Had one last year in March, which actually was a 5-4 win against Columbus in OT. The Canuck players, as you saw earlier, say they are looking forward to playing in front of Thatcher. You know, you want to help them out as much as possible. You want to be there for them. And, um, yeah, we're, we're going to support them all night. Uh, we're going to have to be tough in front of the net. Um, you know, clear bodies, let them see the puck. And, you know, we have ultimate trust in him for sure. He's, uh, he's a really good goaltender. He's been doing extremely well in practice since he's been here. So uh, we feel good about it. Former Canucks defenseman Paul Reinhardt, who had a solid NHL career, mainly with Calgary, had three sons drafted in the NHL, all born in North Van. Griffin and Max are both in the minors right now, but Sam Reinhardt is with the Buffalo Sabres tonight, and he's almost a point-a-guy game, a point-a-game guy. Lead pass to his line, and he puts on the rebound, they score! Sam Reinhardt! Sam Reinhardt is only 23, but is already creeping up on 300 NHL games played. He's now in his fourth NHL season, and he's the Sabres' number one center, and a guy who's settled in as a dependable playmaker on the Sabres' top line with the dynamic Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner. I think he realizes that, you know, he's not going to score every night and that his his greatest asset is setting him up and his passing. And when you're put with two of the, the best goal scorers in the game right now, uh, you know, there's no sense you wasting your time. If it's there, yeah, take it. But if not, get those guys the puck. Reinhardt came in with a lot of hype, the number two overall pick in the 2014 draft, the son of former NHLer and Canuck Paul Reinhardt. Like many kids who jumped to the NHL as teenagers, it took some time to find his way. At the beginning of the year last year, he came in with a, a little bit different mentality, different mindset. He was really taking care of himself. Um, he really stuck to his uh, game plan in the gym and off the ice and it really paid off and, and now you see the progress that, that he's made in the last year and a half and um, you know, it, uh, it's definitely something that, that he's worked hard for. I think just overall consistency um, you know, on a daily basis um, you know, I've, I've, I've felt much better. I mean, as you get older, you're going to get big and, bigger and stronger. And I mean, it's such, it's such a grind to play 82 games and, um, you know, just been able to take care of the body and, and, and feel good more uh, days than not. Reinhardt's already set a new career high in assists and is on pace for 75 points, which would shatter his previous high total of 50 last year. And the Sabres will need a career year to get into the playoffs after struggling in the NHL basement for his first three seasons. Yeah, those experiences are always going to stick with us. We're going to know, um, you know, we're never kind of going to forget those times. So, you know, I think we can take that with us and, and, and learn from it and, 
Um, you know, come out stronger so with just it. Seconds before. After losing Alfonso Davies to Bayern Munich, the Whitecaps have signed one of Canada's other good young players to a contract. Centre-back Derek Cornelius left the team in Serbia to join the Whitecaps. He's 21. He's a national team player. I don't want to say he's Davies' equal because he isn't, and he also plays a much different position. But the Whitecaps are excited about getting someone young, Canadian, and with lots of upside. Speaking of Davies, there he is. Bundesliga game. This is it. This is the real thing now. Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim. He was on the bench, and unfortunately, he stayed there the entire game. He never got in. But anyway, his team won. Leon Goretzka scored two here. That's the second of the two. 3-1 Bayern Munich over Hoffenheim. He'll get in eventually. Second round of the Desert Classic near Palm Springs. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford. Another good round. This tee shot. On a par three. Seven. Uh, to about ten feet. Yeah. Very nice. Over on the left side. Gets it to carry that so he's a shot at birdie here. Yeah, really good look here after a nice tee shot on the par three. Six under par, 66, Seven. 13 under through two rounds. Three shots off the lead, tied for third. Phil Mickelson shot 12 under 60 yesterday. Today, four under 68. He has the lead at minus 16. Adam Stenson of Surrey, minus 10. Nick Taylor, minus 8. Roger Sloan, minus 6. Those are all BC boys. Oh, and Brooke Anderson is leading the latest LPGA event after two rounds down in Florida. There you go. And uh, skier cyclist Georgia Simmerling of West Van and her Canadian teammates finished second in a World Cup cycling team pursuit today. That's amazing. Why is it amazing? Because one year ago, Simmerling broke both of her legs in a World Cup ski cross event, and today she was out there getting a silver medal put around her oh. neck for cycling. I have a hard time even thinking about that. I know. Here's your snow report for today. Lots of new snow across BC mountains in the last 24 hours. Whistler Blackcomb picked up 12 centimeters. Cypress, 2, and Sasquatch, a nice 11 centimeters. Revelstoke, 11 also. Fernie, 10 centimeters. Manning Park, 5, and Whitewater, 7. Big White got a nice new 7 centimeters of new snow. Silver Star, 9. Sun Peak, 7. And to wrap it up, Kicking Horse picked up 2 centimeters. Mount Washington, a nice 9. And Powder King, 1 centimeter not as much snow up there and it is cold minus 17 all right it's uh, it's been quite a week it has been a week it's been a long week and so let's end it i thought you're gonna like start confessing no. things to <laughs> us. no i'm not okay He's i'm not crack going a beer to. right now well so we're missing a member of the team for one we Sophie's are. had a great time wherever yeah, she is she'll but be back soon i'm be sure back soon. uh oh uh, so we, we like a few people on YouTube. Uh, the boys at Dude Perfect always do some fun things, mm -hmm. and also the guys at How Ridiculous. And they love to go to a dam in Switzerland to try things. This time it was throw a bowling ball off the dam and hit a trampoline about 165 meters below. But before they did that, they had to try some other things first, like a baseball. So let's just see if this works. There's a trampoline being set up. They've tried other things. Oh, they move it into place. There goes the baseball, and this was a good shot. It's hard to hit it because it the ball changes moves. Direction. Yes. Yeah. So then they eventually got to the bowling ball. So here we go. One. Oh my gosh! I just get yeah. feel a bit wow. sick looking. Oh no. Looking down. Oh, that bowling ball took a fierce beating. There's not enough crazy glue on the planet for that thing. Wow. But they eventually got this one, and this was the winning shot. After many tries, over two days, no less. Wow, two days. Oh, now, the one thing you don't really notice from this vantage point is how high it bounced. So I'll Come show on. you a different vantage That'd point. Be... Here we go. Hit it. Hit it. 
Hit it. Yes! <laughs> and you gotta stand far away. You don't want one of those. Oh, double noggin. Yeah, double and shot. And the uh, you saw springs jumping off of that thing, yes. so it took a bit of a beating there. But it survived and it was cool. How okay. ridiculous. I know. They have a lot of time on their hands. That was science we just saw. <laughs> uh, okay, a couple of commercials for you. One for McDonald's on how to cleverly deal with, I don't know if they're bullies, but they're kind of bullies. And one for pedigree. Uh, you'll see what I mean by that. Okay. okay. Never seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's just a sunny Help dogs. <laughs> okay. Like How many dad jokes do you tell in a week? Oh, it's a lot. too many. Okay. Too many. <laughs> so uh, they have discovered in Australia that dog, jo uh, dog jokes, dad jokes, can actually be harmful to your child's health. Watch this. <laughs> I walked into the kitchen yesterday and I said to my dad, Hey, I'm hungry. And my dad said, Hi, hungry. I'm dad. on the table. He looks right at me and said, oh no, I have just peed on the table. Dad asked me, have you heard about the new movie, Constipation? I was all like, what? No. And he said, it never came out. It's a movie, Constipation. My dad and I were going past the aquarium and he said to me, how many tickles does it take to make an op octopus laugh? And he said, ten tickles. But what? Oh, tentacles. Hey dad, can you make me a sandwich? And what did dad say? Abracadabra, you are the sandwich. I guess I am a sandwich. <laughs> that's, that's a public service announcement right there if I ever saw one. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to laugh about. 
I can't even think of a good one right now, and that's probably a very good thing. Yeah. Thanks very much for watching this week. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here later.